en hartelike goeiemorgen. Welkom by ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, jy woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na jy woord. En Psalm 119, sê, jy woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraag laat, om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte, waarmee ek en jy moendik kan worstel nie. Krij dus gauw jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Van jou oor, na jou hart, na jou mond, na jou voete. Word deel van hierdie lewe op 657 Radio Kansel en 729 Kaapse Kansel. En so die oorloosie aangeskyf na bykend 7 minute oor 7. 13 december stort reen buiten die atelier. Die wereld is nat en uit nat hier opgedaag ook. Pastor Rock, Rocky Stevenson, good morning my brother. How are you keeping on this rainy Tuesday? Doing very well, thank you Vainant. What a great day it is to be serving the Lord. Yeah, isn't it? And how's Benoni doing? Any flash floods? Any Man, flooding? Yeah, that area is nice and wet. Eh? Yeah. I said to I've got one of my favorite people in all the world with me, my son Levi, who's yeah. five years old. Yeah. And I was saying while I was driving with him, man, isn't it amazing how the Lord just turns on the sprinkler and then the whole of this area world gets wet all the way from wet. Kempton, all the way through to Pretoria. Yeah. Just yeah, amazing, isn't yeah. it? Well, uh, if, uh, if you want to know what uh, Rocky is referring to, there's little Levi sitting all quietly by himself, brought a whole rucksack full of toys and he's sitting there on the floor eating his banana and all uh, well here in the studio. Rocky, wonderful to have met your son Levi and uh, so getting to know the family slowly but surely. No, definitely. His mommy gave him the banana and said you can open it yeah. when daddy starts. And so <laughs> I think he was really excited It was well that. programmed. He was well programmed. Right, so far at jou aangaan, hartelijk goeiemorgen, baie welkom by die program Skriftelik, waar ons soek na antwoorde uit die woord van die Heere. As iemand iets ergens kwijt geraak het, somebody is maybe accused your God, the word of God, of inerrancy. Well, we'll, uh, we'll address that. We put it on the table and we start delving into the word and say, is it true when God's word in John 17, 17 says, thy word is truth. So many people in this world accusing God of a, a inerrant word, and why does it say this? And uh, in actual fact, uh, I, I have a good notion they're looking for excuses not to serve this God. Uh, so, ons soek na die antwoorde uit die skrifteit. Iemand het ook iets gesê, Ernst, en jy het een vraagteken daarover, baie welkom om het vir ons in te steer. En saam, ek, jy, Rocky, en die Heilige Geest soek ons na die antwoorde uit die woord that God is not confused about this. Uh, and the answers, I've got a friend down in the Eastern Cape that said to me, let's leave no stone unturned to find the truth. And that's the case in this studio. We'll leave no stone unturned to find the truth. So do stay tuned. If you've got a question, you can uh, WhatsApp it to us. I'm going to give you the number in a moment. In the meantime, open up your contacts. On your contact list, you're going to put in a WhatsApp number. It's your favorite WhatsApp number. You're going to put a star next to it. And next time you've got a question, well, we uh, use that WhatsApp number for all things and everything here on Radio Pulpit. Are you ready for it? Have you got a pen and paper handy? Here's that number. 082 
You write 082657. Incidentally, it's the same frequency on which we broadcast 657. Then the number 2. Have you got that? Right. And then 729. The frequency of our sister station down in the Western Cape. Let's put it all together. Just double check it. 082 657 2729. I know you've got it. Now you can just punch in your question, send it through sideline remark. Would you kindly just make mention of the scriptures that you are struggling with and that you're not all sure about? Send that through to us, 082-657-2729. And if you've missed out on it, don't worry. We'll give it to you once again in the course of this program. So, as jy vraag het, stuur het vir ons in, en ons gaan dier die loop dan van die program ook weer die telefoonnummer gee. Mul from Benoni, a very interesting question. She says, the gospel account of Jesus healing the blind as he went through Jericho reports them differently. Listen to this. She says, in Matthew 20, 29 to 30, says he healed two blind men as he left Jericho. Mark 10, 46 says he healed one blind man as he left Jericho. And Luke 18, 35 says he healed one blind man as he entered Jericho. Have you got all that? So these different accounts are raised when arguments against the inerrancy of the word is brought to the table. What do we answer more? What do we answer our sister in the Lord? And I think a very, very interesting question, because ultimately there's a there's a uh, accusation against God that there's inerrancies. Uh, it's an inerrant word. What do we answer more? Yeah, firstly, I'd say that if people want to raise arguments against the scriptures, then they will use passages like this as well as others. And and I think that's partly to just be reminded that you need to be born again if you to come to God's word and have a right appreciation for his word. Those that are spiritually discerned will always have an issue with God's word, not because they actually can find an issue with God's word. There's no error in his word and his word never contradicts itself. If there seems to be, from our perspective, some form of error, it's not because God is at error, it's because we are. When we come to his word and we're misunderstanding or we're mislooking or we haven't studied as we ought to. And so when somebody comes and they have accusations against God's word, they do very much the same thing as what Satan did in Genesis 3 where he says, did God really say? And they bring doubt upon God's word. Now, God's word is inerrant in that it has no error in it. The the error of um, is really on the part of the people that come to to really point fingers at it. Now, having said that, as a as just a, a start, let's have a look at those three passages, starting with Matthew twenty, verse twenty nine to thirty four. Though Matthew is the first one inside the first gospel account that we have, the book of Mark most likely was written first. And so that's just helpful as a side note to, to recognize. But Matthew twenty, verse twenty nine to thirty four says this, and they went and they were leaving as they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. But the crowd sternly told them to be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? 
And they said to him, Lord, that our eyes would be opened. And moving with, and moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Then moving to Mark, chapter 10, verse 46 to 52, says this, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, get up, he is calling to you. And throwing off his outer garment, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered him and said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. And then down to Luke chapter eighteen thirty-five to 43. What's helpful by us reading this is it helps you to see the differences in the accounts and also to see the similarities. So in Luke eighteen thirty-five to 43, it says this, Now it happened that as Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. They reported to him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who went ahead were rebuking him so that he would be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And he came near and he questioned him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when the people saw it, they gave thanks or they gave praise to God. So these are there are some apparent discrepancies between these accounts. Now I say apparent, but the legitimate explanation can be found for these apparent discrepancies. So before concluding... Um, really that there are contradictions, we shouldn't go there. We should have, as those having a high view of the inerrancy of the Scriptures, we need to then explore the argumentation regarding these discrepancies. And I do believe that it is quite clear that these three accounts are referring to the same incident within the Gospel accounts. And you can see that as you compare them to each other. For example, you see the Jericho location, you see the blind man or men healed, you see Jesus, son of David, have mercy. That's the crying out. And then crying out once more after the crowd has rebuked them. And so you see the similarity all the way. This whole son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus then stopping and also calling to. And then Jesus question, what do you want me to do for you? The response, well, wanting to see. You see that in all three accounts. And then you see at the end, the regaining of sight and the subsequent following of Jesus, and even the glorification of Jesus. Now, what are some of the apparent discrepancies? Well, the first one that you'd notice between the three accounts is that one of them has only got one beggar, or let's say one blind man, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. And Mark chooses to identify just the one blind man. Now, that's not such a discrepancy in that we do have two blind men, but we have one blind man that is highlighted by Mark, possibly because Bartimaeus was known to Mark's readers, or maybe Bartimaeus's father, Timaeus, because he mentions him by name. He mentions he's the son of Timaeus. 
maybe they were known by Mark's readers. It's also possible that Bartimaeus continued to follow the Lord Jesus while maybe the other blind man didn't. And so he he became known to the disciples. And so he was somebody that was known by name. And Mark was not highlighting the fact that there were two or there was one. He was highlighting more the fact that there was this following of the Lord Jesus and that Jesus had mercy and healed this man in the end. So you, you don't have too much of a problem with that. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic gospels, and this is where it's helpful for us, us to realize that we have them all lined up within our Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, next to each other, the first four books in the Bible, and or in the New Testament. And we, we, But we've got to realize that each one has their own theme. Each one has their own purpose with which the authors are divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit to to give these books. Each book also has its own specific purpose in mind. Luke, for example, is a very accurate historical account, specifically given to set in order the events that Jesus had in his earthly ministry. Some of the others, like Mark and Matthew, might not have a consecutive um, kind of an account of the way that things happen, but Luke does, because he's writing to Theophilus. He would have been very specific about the order of events and the way that these things happen, and, and likely he was even commissioned and supported to get these eyewitness accounts. By the way, Luke wrote Luke as well as the book of Acts, and interestingly enough, he gives he writes the most as far as content of all the New Testament writers. Even though the Apostle Paul writes 13 books, Luke in his two books, Luke and Acts, writes more as far as content. So if you're ever wondering who wrote the most inside of the New Testament was Luke. But there was this accurate account of the life of our Lord, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension on high. And then the book of Acts chronicles the spread of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, as he chronicles the works of the Holy Spirit and the witness of our Lord, and in following really the acts of the apostles. But Matthew presents Jesus as Israel's Messiah. When you have that as a theme, and you know that that's what Matthew's doing, and Mark presents Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, and then you know that that is his theme, and that Luke emphasizes the way that Jesus carried out his ministry by the empowering of the Holy Spirit, announcing the good news of salvation, then you know something of the theme of these synoptic gospels, which all three of these synoptic gospels gives this account. John's account doesn't actually mention these blind men that were healed. But the Gospel of John was written to persuade people to believe in Jesus. We see that in John twenty thirty to 31. And so we then come to know, and it's helpful, helpful for us to know, as those that study the Bible, that there's these different purposes within these different books. We're not dealing with one author, human-wise, of these Gospel accounts, although the same Holy Spirit who inspires the human authors. So then one comes to read each book as, as a whole, not each book and each other book as a whole, but realizing these are separate accounts of this same marvelous story. But what are they emphasizing? Are they emphasizing these details or are they emphasizing something even bigger? The other apparent discrepancy when we think of now one blind man versus two blind men from the other two gospel accounts, that's not a difficult one to deal with. It really isn't because there were there was at least a blind man healed, yeah. and Mark emphasizes the one. But the other apparent discrepancy that is brought out in our question is whether Jesus was entering Jericho or leaving it. And I to look this up as well, and Bible commentators cite the fact 
that there were actually two Jerichos, like you would have an ancient Jericho, the one that would have been destroyed and and somewhat rebuilt at a later stage. You remember that even as um, Joshua was coming into the promised land, they marched around the old city of Jericho. Mm -hmm. And so there was the ancient city of Jericho, which still... And the mound of that ancient city still exists today. I have been to that mound, and I have seen it, and it's called Jericho. Yes. I've, I've walked around yes. it, driven around it, and then there's the greater Jericho. Yes, which is the newer city of Jericho. Yeah. And so what you would find is that Jesus was leaving the one Jericho, yeah. likely the ancient Jericho, entering into the newer Jericho, and both were called Jericho. So while you're leaving the one, you're entering the other one. And that sorts out this this apparent discrepancy, because the one author is looking at it as the new Jericho. The other authors are looking at it as the ancient Jericho okay. site. Oh. And so while he's leaving the one, he's entering into the other. And they, this beggar was sitting, or these beggars were sitting at the gate. And so they were there at the gate between these two ancient Jericho and new Jericho. So therefore Jesus could have healed the two men as he was leaving Jericho as well as while he was entering Jericho. And so that's the the way that we would deal. And I believe that that would be the archaeological evidence, even as what you've said, you've actually been to that site itself. The archaeological evidence supports this claim. And that would be as he's going towards Jerusalem. A final concluding statement that I would say um, that to focus is to not really focus so much on the small details, although they are important. But we shouldn't ignore the rest, which is which would be then a great error. Yeah. We we see something marvelous that happens in these accounts. Jesus shows himself to be the Son of God, the Messiah of Israel, the one who gives sight to the blind. He's the one who fulfills all of the prophecies that were written about him. He speaks to the blind man and says, Your faith has saved you. That's a, that's the consistent throughout this. And at least two of those accounts say that, Mark and Luke. And indeed, this is the same faith without which we cannot worship our Lord and we cannot understand the Bible. So you need to have spiritual eyes opened like these men had physical eyes yeah, opened yeah, to worship yeah. the Lord Jesus, to follow the Lord Jesus. And that's what our question really comes back to. You must have a born-again relationship with the Lord where you are saved from your sin so that your spiritual eyes are made to see. And it's only faith in the Lord Jesus that will do this. There's still often a spiritual blindness that is over the hearts of many who need to be born again. And it's those ones that would question the inerrancy of the scriptures. Those are the ones that would say, oh, but here's a problem. Yeah, there's a problem there. And even as you talk to people like that, you've got to realize they need to be born again. And often they they need to have something of that prodigal son experience where they get to the, the end of their wit and then they have to have their eyes open to go, yeah. hold on a minute here, I've sinned against God. Look at the calamity that I've gone my own way, but it's led to destruction. Many a times if you answer their question based on, let's say somebody comes and they give you these three accounts and they say, oh, but look at these these discrepancies. Yeah. No, God must have error. Even while you explain that to them, they come with something else. Yeah, yeah. They come they, with some they other They won't thing. accept that. And the real heart issue is that there's a spiritual blindness that they need to have removed by the Lord Jesus himself. 
Sometimes they won't see because they simply cannot see because they are blind. Other times they won't see because they don't want to see. And Christ himself had said that to the scribes and Indeed. the Pharisees and what they call themselves the Sadducees, uh, asking him a question and asking him to perform miracles. And he said, you know, you, you have seen enough. Indeed. And, and, and that's what John 3 verse 19 says, which is actually quite a scary verse in the Bible. It says, this is the judgment. The light is coming to the world, but people have loved darkness. You see, because if people have to come to the Bible and say, the Bible is inerrant and there's no error at all within the scriptures. Then you have to obey it. Then they need to obey it. (laughs) Then they need to turn to the Lord Jesus. It's with the eyes of faith and the ears of faith and a heart that's moved by faith that we see that the Lord is true. And we see that the scripture is true, that the gospel account is true. That there's this divinely inspired purpose that is unique within the gospel accounts that, that moves us. And the good news is that if you are blind, if you have not understood the word of God, it's so simple. Look to Jesus and you'll live. You can call out to him like these men did. Son of David, you know, help me. And if the whole world wants to shut you down, just call a bit louder. Turn to the Lord <laughs> Jesus, and he'll give you eyes to see. Amen. And if the world clamors and it seeks to press you down, call louder. Call on Jesus, and then you will see. So the right response to these accounts is to be like the blind men in many respects. What happened we are. with them? Yes, we come blind into this world, isn't yeah. it? And, and what happens once the Lord has given them sight? Yeah. They begin to follow him. They begin to serve him. They're, they're moved, and they say... Because there's no other way I'm going the way of Jesus. We follow him and we glorify God. So the question then actually comes back to the listener. Are you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you had your eyes opened by the Lord so that you might see? Isn't that a marvelous way to end that off? And to think you can only really believe what God has said in his word if you've had spiritual sight restored to you who once was blind and once was dead. You need to be made alive. You need to be made able to see. Absolutely fantastic. Mole, I hope that answers it for you in depth. Rocky, thank you so much. If you've got a question you want us to tackle, as jy vraag het, jy baie welkom om het vir ons deur te stuur. Christo, ek sien vir jou daar, Linda, ek sien vir jou, vele ander, ons sien vir jou, ons sal kyk of die tyd vir ons toelaat om by alles uit te kom, maar uh, Ikaas sê, ons moet ook een muziek speel, so ons het dan die verantwoordelijkheid ten oor die overhede om ook een of twee liedere in te bring in die program. While you take a breather, you are holy, you are holiness, Don Stevenson, Benjamin Dubey, we're going to listen to that. And when we come back, once again, that number, if you want to pose your question to Skriftelik this morning, 082-657-2729, send it through to the studio, and we'll be tackling it before 12 o'clock this uh, afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Trust that you are blessed by the answers that we're giving to you. This is why you're going to be on you. Lekker om saam met jou te keir en vertrou dat waar jy saam luister in jou huis en jy moet er by die werk ook dat die program tot groot is seen vir jou sal wees. Can I ask you, whilst listening to this program, that you'd pray for us this morning, that it not be flesh that answers these questions, but that God's Spirit would lead us, quicken us, as Rocky answers these questions questions to you this morning. So we'd really appreciate that you ask the Lord to guide us and lead us as we endeavor to bring the undiluted word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to you uh, through this program. Christo, jy is volgende aan die beerd, and I say, good morning guys, Wijnand Rocky, I do understand 
do I understand it correctly that Genesis 2.9, Rocky, if you can make a note of that, Genesis 2.9 and Genesis 2.16 and 17 does not prohibit Adam and Eve. And he's typed that in uh, capital letters, does not prohibit Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of life. Only the tree of knowledge of good and evil. How are we to understand the scriptures? Rocky, so if you can probably read us Genesis 2 verse 9. Yeah, Genesis 2 9 says, And out of the ground Yahweh God caused to grow every tree that is is desirable in appearance and good for food, and a tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right, that's Genesis 2 9. What does Genesis 2 16 and 17 say? It says, And Yahweh God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may surely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat from it, for in the da- in the day that you eat of it or from it you shall surely or you will surely die. All right, so now the question on the table is, did God say, and I don't want to slap another question mark on that, we know what happened when Satan did that, but how are we to understand it? What was the instruction from the Lord? Which trees could they eat from and which trees they shouldn't touch off? Yeah, it would seem that that God had no problem at all of them eating from the tree of life. There is a lot of speculation with these things because we don't get a lot of information regarding this. But it would seem that the tree of life was something that they were allowed to eat of. It wasn't simply that you eat of that fruit once and then you just keep on living. But it would seem that the tree of life has some kind of a long life giving ability. If you think about some of the fruit that we have today and some of the things that we get to eat, we recently researched something like cucumbers and you see how good it is for hydration and you see how good it is for even tackling things like kidney stones and there's these different elements that you get such good things from when it comes to eating certain fruit or certain vegetables, etc. But it would seem that there was a tree that had something that was called the tree of life, and eating of it would somewhat keep you forever young as such. And it Um, it mentions it in the the New Testament as well. It does indeed. It does indeed. And And in Psalms as well. Speaks of the tree of life all over the scriptures in different places. The Proverbs actually talk about wisdom being a tree of life. And those that seize her, uh, for those that seize her and grab hold of her and fast and, and that are blessed. And that's um, Proverbs 3 verse 18. There we see that if you have wisdom, you actually tend to live longer. You yeah. tend to be able to, you know, when the scripture says my people perish because of their lack of knowledge. When you have knowledge, you've grabbed hold of to a degree, figuratively, the tree of life. In Proverbs 11 verse 30, it says the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. And he who is wise wins souls. And so when you're righteous, you tend to live longer as well. You tend to not have some of the consequences of a sinful existence. And so there's a figurative sense again of a tree of life. And then Proverbs 11 verse, or rather Proverbs 13 verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But desires fulfilled is a tree of life. So when you're putting good planning into place, when you fulfill some of the desires that you have because you've done well with these things, it seems that you would live longer. Whereas if you have hope deferred, it tends to break you down. But then we see later on um, that in Revelation 2 verse 7, where you find the tree of life again in the New Jerusalem. And he says, 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And so you've got the tree of life in the paradise of God, but then you've also got the tree of life that is planted later on in Revelation 22, verse 2, in the New Jerusalem and in the thousand-year reign of Christ. And it seems that there's a bit of a reversal that happens. And I'm saying it seems because you put in a whole lot of pieces together from all over the Scriptures. But you have people before the flood living almost a thousand years. That's how long they were living. Yes. But you have the angel that is put at the garden keeping them from the tree of life. And so it would seem that the tree of life that Adam and Eve may have eaten from had such an effect on them that it had an effect even on their children. And that whole generation tended to live up to almost a thousand years. But then you've got God prohibiting and saying man's going to live only 120 years. And after the flood, you see a drastic decrease in the length of time that people were living. And then Moses in Psalm 90 says that if a man lives 70 years, then he's, that's pretty good. Three score and ten. If he lives 80, by, that's usually a very strong guy. Now, Moses lived until 120. Yeah. You know, so you have this drastic decrease of life expectancy throughout the scriptures. But then you have an increase again. After the seven-year tribulation and the return of our Lord and the thousand-year reign of Christ begins, the Bible tells us that the snake will, the child will be able to to play by the snake or the by the adder's hole yeah. and will not be harmed. The lion will lie down with the lamb. You find this reversal of some of the curse that was upon the world, and you have Satan is bound for that thousand years, and you have something of a reversal, and the tree of life is there in the in Jerusalem. But then you've also got, as Zechariah 14 says, the nations coming to take part in the Feast of Booths. They come yearly to take part in the Feast of Booths. And I wonder to myself, and now it's a bit of speculation, are the people able to there eat of the the tree of life because yeah. you have the bible telling us that if somebody dies in their hundreds they die as a young man yeah. they, it seems that during the millennial reign of christ people are living up until again almost a thousand years the sad reality is at the end of the thousand years satan is loosed and he goes to the four corners of the world and there's a massive rebellion a last hurrah and that's a sad reality because we look for a peaceful government we desire that on this earth but when god gives a peaceful government through the Lord Jesus Christ reigning, people actually don't want it long term. And so that's just a, a, um extra info given, but God never prohibited them from eating of the tree of life. And it would seem that they probably did eat of the tree of life while they were in the Garden of, of Eden. Yeah. But then the angel is placed there to keep them from it. Now remember with the flood that Eden would have been destroyed. I've got some suspicions of where I think um, Eden was, but I think it's underwater now. Yeah. But that's maybe for another day. Um, near to Ur of the Chaldeans. So if you want to go look that up, you're welcome to. But it's a fascinating area that indeed. But but there's no longer an angel at the east of Eden guarding the way because Eden's been destroyed in the flood. But um, it would seem that again we will, and those that that endure even now because the, the Revelation 1, which was written, you find those letters to the seven churches. Now, each one of those seven churches had their lampstand removed. But Jesus still builds his church, and that truth still applies. To those that endure till the end, he will give of the the right to eat of the tree of life. And so you kind of wonder, what will that fruit taste like? We enjoy some of the fruit. Vainon gave me a nice banana tree the other day. (laughs) And by the way, bananas, that is an amazing fruit. If you go look up some of the health benefits of bananas, it's just amazing what the Lord has given us on this earth already. But there's a fruit called, well, a a fruit from the tree of 
of um, life. I think it was probably a watermelon tree because I really like watermelon. And, you know, now watermelon grows on the ground, but there it will be on the tree. And, um, And it would seem that we will get the right as children of God to eat of the tree of life in paradise. But also one day in the thousand year reign of Christ, it will be again there. Um, in inside of of Jerusalem, mm. uh, you've you've spoken mainly of the tree of life. Uh, this, you know, listening to you, I, I keep on can't help but th- thinking, if only there were no tree of knowledge of good and evil. Eh? For sure. And uh, oh man, would you would you would you care to venture there? Just yeah, maybe yeah, a thought happily. or two. Uh, why did the Lord put that tree there? Yeah, and why? Um, and you know, I think that there's so much that we could touch on that. And and one of the reasons is that God didn't make us simply robotic like He did the angels. Yeah, there's something that we understand about the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ that the angels never will. They long to look into those things that we have by the adoption that we've received in Christ. And the mere fact that man has fallen, that he ate of the tree of of good and evil, and that he actually disobeyed God, that he chose to disobey God, that they chose to go an independent way, has has shown the wonder of the steadfast love of God in a way that that, that the angels actually never get to fully understand. Because God didn't have to give us the gospel. He could have just thrown us into the lake of fire that he prepared for Satan. Which, by the way, everybody that rejects the Lord Jesus Christ, that is their final destination. It's and hell, once again, not created for mankind, but for yep. Satan and his hordes. And those human beings who deny yes. the Lord Jesus Christ yep. will yep. join Satan the, the and The lake of hordes. fire has been prepared. And at the moment, there's no occupancy of yeah. the lake of fire. That that the those that those That's the final destination. Yeah. Hell Gehenna, which is the other term for hell which is kind of like a hell waiting room or Hades, yeah. that's currently the, the hell that, that's also a place of torment. But, but there's a final judgment right at the end of the age where those that have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, they will be cast into the lake of fire where there's All weeping, right. gnashing of teeth, and there's no, no end to that destruction. And if and heaven to, is eternal, yes. eternal, then hell must be eternal. Indeed, indeed. Just not, not eternal horror. life. And I don't think we can even wrap our minds around this because no. it's talked of as eternal death. Yeah. And that's why you've got the worm wow. that never dies. You've got flame that never ever is quenched. You've got this absolute, I mean, you can't horror imagine. Of horror. And the state of those that are there, I yeah. think that's something that we also battle to understand. But they never repent. They're yeah. only growing their anger towards God. That's why there's the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. There's this growing hatred towards God, and there's a growing hatred towards everything else. Mm. If you've ever felt that kind of a, just a, a hatred or an anger where you just like, it's just burning within you, can you imagine that just for an eternity? Wow. That, that must be absolutely horrific. Horrific stuff. All right. Thank you very much uh, for that, Christo. I hope that answers your question. Thank you so much, brother, taking part in this uh, program this morning. Christo, what for us die vraag ingestuur het oor Genesis 2.9 and Genesis 2.16. Linda, you up next. Thank you so much uh, for taking part in the program this morning. Very interesting question. So you say, at will net weet of Yeshua of Yahweh. Jesus sy rechte naam is, en of sy naam in Hebrews in ons DNA geskrywe staan. Baie, baie interessant. Geer die Bijbel vir ons enige aanduiding, Rocky Free Translation, yep. Yeshua, Yeshua, or Yahweh. What is the real name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Somebody said to me the other day, if your name is uh, Vainant, 
in South Africa. You don't change it to something else in Italy. It's still Weinand. Some people will call me Weinand, Weinand, whatever. But it's still, you get some notion of what, what is it when it comes to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? What is our Lord's name? Yeshua, then, um, Yahweh? You can thank the Lord you didn't get called Rocky, you know, because if you're amongst, <laughs> if you're amongst Afrikaans people and your name's Rocky, then everybody <laughs> thinks your parents called you a dress. <laughs> oh, oh, all Rocky. right. <laughs> All right. Okay. No, I was thinking more Bulboa, you know. Yeah. Um, so so the, this is a, a fascinating question. And in the Old Testament, there are times where Jesus is referred to as Yahweh. And we have, for example, the angel of Yahweh, which is the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus. And when you have him meeting with Abraham and he comes before Sodom and Gomorrah, you've got Yahweh raining fire from Yahweh on high. And so Jesus is referred to as Yahweh in the Old Testament. Um, but And the name Jesus being Yeshua is um, really the word Joshua. So Joshua, uh, even the book of Joshua, that means salvation. And he his name is Yeshua in the Old Testament in that sense. But throughout the New Testament, which is the what the, the New Testament was written in Greek, not in Hebrew, Jesus' name is Jesus. So people that sometimes have the superstitious kind of connection to the name Yeshua actually get it pretty wrong because in the Bible, Jesus is mostly called Jesus throughout the New Testament, not Yeshua, which would have been his Hebrew name. Now, um, when it comes to the DNA aspect, I have heard some of the laminin explanation and, and that kind of a idea, but I think a better place for us to go would be a place like Colossians chapter 1, where you see in in particular Colossians 1 verse 16, it says, for in him all things were created, speaking about the Lord Jesus, and we were created by him, all things were created by him, by the word, you remember God said, let there be light, but the scriptures teach us that it's by Jesus that everything actually was created, he is the word of God, and so he is the incarnate word of God, and so by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And so that's a fascinating verse for us to realize. You know, I think we battle to even see to the level of the DNA, and um, and I get that people like to have sometimes these extra cool things to say, but I think that the Bible itself just is fascinating enough. And when we see from a passage like this that we exist because Jesus has said you exist, the mere fact that our heart still beats or that we have lung in, uh, lungs in our oxygen, <laughs> oxygen yeah. in, in our, our lungs, lungs yeah. is because Jesus has decided that we still live and he has his purposes. Now, that is amazing. You know, you, the the mere fact that your DNA keeps on being DNA is because Jesus holds you together. Yeah. I heard somebody... Um, say the other day that we were just really um, a skin sack, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and the sack just holds it. Well, look in. at the body when it but dies. As it's, soon as it you die, back you to know, a skin I mean, sack. You the, know? F- the fact that we actually are held together, I remember this the song that one of the men that was part of Waterclave Baptist used to sing at church camps, and he would talk about skin, what a marvelous thing that keeps all the insides in and the outsides out, and yeah. what, a, what a cool song that was, you know, yeah. what a fun song, yeah. because just amazing and and the skin's actually your biggest organ in your body because yes, it is. and it's amazing to see just the way that God has made us but the mere fact that you still breathe and you still have a heart that pumps is because Jesus has decided that you would have that something else that's more amazing to even comprehend is that while Jesus was in the womb of Mary his mother 
and and the Holy Spirit came on her and she she conceived and she had Jesus in the womb. And you remember John the Baptist, six months older than Jesus, yeah. jumps in the womb of his mother yes, Elizabeth, Elizabeth when mm. Mary comes in. But Jesus in the womb of Mary was holding the whole world in its place. That's an amazing thought. Wow. You know, to think because all things have their being in Christ. He's yeah. the one. It's through him that all things exist. Now, I had once a question. I had this interfaith dialogue with one of the world's second biggest religion All right. <laughs> um, people. And, um, and one of the questions I had from somebody who felt really cocky about the question he was giving me was, oh, but, you know, if Jesus got killed, then, you know, then God got killed. And I said, no, no, you've misunderstood. He's 100% God, 100% man. Yes, his body was killed, but nobody ever fully killed God. Because yeah. if they could fully kill 100% God of Jesus, because right at that moment, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Yeah. That's because to be absent from the body is to be present with the yeah. Lord, and Jesus is the Lord. Yeah. And so that thief on the cross was with Jesus, because Jesus, 100% God, could never be killed. Yes, they yeah. buried his body. But if you could fully kill Jesus... 100% God, 100% man, the world would implode. So think of you and Everything me. Everything would be destroyed. Think of you and me. There you sit, Rocky, Stevenson, here I sit, Vainant, in the flesh, but our spirit man live forever, either in all eternity in darkness, gnashing of teeth, yep. in eternal hell, or with God, the body or, or the spirit of man lives all eternity, isn't yes, it? indeed. Never dies. Indeed. Yeah. And so... Those that are in Christ will go and be with Christ. Yeah. We will receive a glorified body, and that, that happens at the rapture of the church. We see that in Thessalonians. First Thessalonians talks about how the dead in Christ will rise first. But you see that, that aspect of God giving us glorified bodies so that yeah. we will be like Christ. I think there's a level of groaning that happens being absent from the body and being present with the Lord, All where right. you're looking forward to that day of redemption. That's... Um, you know, Romans chapter 8 touches on that. Yeah. So this is fascinating. I mean, it's beyond our ability to fully comprehend, but we can put together some of the pieces that right. we see within the scriptures. But right. um, just as a short one, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying written on the DNA. What I would say is that he keeps the DNA going. Yeah. And he has us um, fully um, going together. But I do think that you could have the name Yeshua or you could have the name Yahweh and still not really serve the Jesus of the Bible. I would say that what you need is to have the Jesus of the Scriptures, and that's the most important. And isn't there a Scripture that says they're talking about another Jesus, yeah, another yeah. gospel? And people come with that. You know, people yeah. in, in, this, in particular around this time of the year, around the Christmas-type time, people love to have a Jesus that they can control, mm. a Jesus that is made up after their own image, yeah. or, you know, kind of the babe in the manger, meek yeah, and mild, plastic doll. you know, plastic doll Jesus, yeah. a Jesus that is controllable. But the Jesus of the scriptures is a Jesus that is far beyond, Judah, you know, man. the line of Judah, the, the one who is coming, the Majestic. conquering king, even the kings in um, somewhere like Psalm chapter 2 uh, or Psalm 2, where they are told to be wise, kiss the son, lest you, you be destroyed in his wrath because yeah. he rules with an iron scepter. And our Lord Jesus is coming again. And so we must embrace the, the whole Jesus who, who gave his whole for us who's the, the Jesus of the scriptures. And so there's the, the, the beauty of, of this, um, is to really turn toward the Lord Jesus, whether you call him Yeshua, whether you call him Yahweh, whether you call him Jesus, but you must embrace the Jesus of the scriptures. And I think that's where sometimes people come with almost a superstitious Jesus, where you think that it's just that, 
that name that has the power. It's yeah. the whole of who he is yeah. that has the power. And it's he who went to the cross and died the death that we could never die, lived the life we could never live, was buried and rose again and sits yeah. at the right hand of the Father interceding for his church. He's the head of his church. We, we've now. got this man's tradition that we pass on down the generations. I've, plead, I've, I've, I've pleaded the name of Jesus or the blood of Jesus over myself and my family. Um, and then there's the saying that says, yes, there is power in the blood of Jesus. But there's power in the name of Jesus, isn't it? And so Jesus is a powerful name, the, the, the God of the Bible. Mm. Yeah, we, we, must, we must have the Jesus of the Scriptures. Yeah. And I think that's the – there's so many um, – you know, each, each word has, has different yeah. meanings to different degrees. And it's good for us to do that studying. You know, when you think of the, the, the many names for God – and yeah. the many names for Jesus. Oh, books been you written know, about each, it plenty. Yeah, and, and each one has got its own special yeah. nuance, which yeah. is helpful for us. You know, yeah. you go study through the book of Exodus, yeah. which we've been looking at as a church for a while, and the, the book of Exodus is all about knowing God. Yeah. And so he is revealed to his people throughout that book, and it's helpful for us to go to God's word and, and see the ways that he is revealed to us. All many right. people sometimes also think that Christ is Jesus' surname. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. But Christ means the the promised one of God, the one who would save his people. Yeah. And that's why some people don't believe that Jesus is the Christ. They're still looking for a Christ. Yeah. Some yeah. other Christ. I've heard yeah. of some guy that's now professing to be the Christ of in Israel. I've, I've heard that. Old, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but that's an antichrist. But but you know, we, we, we must come to understand what do these words mean. Jesus right. means savior. You yeah. know, and yeah. that's a wonderful redeemer, wonderful, wonderful counselor, yes. yeah, a mighty God. So we have so many names for him throughout the scriptures, but the importance is come humbly to the word of God. Don't make up your own Jesus in oh. your mind and allow the word of God to teach you who Jesus yeah. is. It's amazing that in this program, just got a WhatsApp from somebody, no names, no pack drill said Yahweh is Babylonian. Uh, it's from the Babylonian uh, language, and it means Lord. It doesn't mean Jesus. It's probably a, a discussion for another day. Time is picked up, uh, caught up with us. Rocky, any final words? Uh, this today is our final program. You'll be back on the 10th of uh, January, God willing, if the Lord tarries. Any final words uh, for the festive season to our listeners? Uh, it's been a wonderful year this far. Yeah, I, I see just Janice's question there. Do the spirits of the dead have the ability to communicate with the living? And I would say then no. You're either in hell or heaven. If you having somebody that's claiming to be of the dead coming to talk to you, that's demonic. And yeah. so that would just be a short answer to to that. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for that, that question. Um, other than that, if you want to get a hold of me, I do thank you for that. I've had some interesting discussions with folk um, at times uh, through email, pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za, had a marvelous conversation with a brother um, recently, and, I'm, and it's got me thinking about some of the round earth, um, some of those discussions. Oh, 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 very so I had a had a had lovely conversation there, and just looking at different scriptures, and um, so I'm just so thankful for you, the listener. Thank you for tuning in and. Uh, making a show, uh, well, a program like this possible with Vainant and I. It's been a joy this year to to um, join some of the radio pulpit folk here. And uh, we're excited to see what the Lord may do with us if he tarries, even in the future. We yeah. give him thanks and glory to him. And what I do, I guess, as a parting thought today is, is you know, if you don't, if you're not right with the Lord Jesus in your own life, 
now now can be the time. You can turn to him just simply today, even alone at, at home or alone in your car, and you can cry out and say, Lord, the one who gave sight to those blind men, won't you give sight to me so that I can start 2023 very differently than what I have before? May you continue to work within me. Won't you do a work and um, and help me to, to come to you humbly and to repent of my sin, to repent of my dead works, and to trust in you as the Lord alone? And um, and he can do that with you even today, and your life can you can be reborn. You know, it's, it's not that long ago, around 2001, where I was born again, around this time of the year, and so it can be for you as well. So say Rocky Stevenson, so say Radio Pulpit, so say all Christians on the face of this earth. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God. Wishing you all of the best till we meet again the 10th of January. Keep well, God bless you, and shalom.